And I'm Anna. And we're your two very unqualified hosts. And thanks so much for sticking around and coming back to our second episode. Cheers to you. (laughs) What? You can now subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. I don't know if that's true, but I just hear people say that. (laughs) I think that could be true, yeah. Um, and if you have a minute, leave us a review. Tell us how you really feel. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, thanks, Cass and Ryan, for opening your home up to record this this podcast, even though we couldn't figure out how to use your mics. Um, we will be in hiatus the next two weeks, right? We're taking the next two weeks off, right? Yeah, unless like the world ends or something, which could very likely happen. And by the world, we mean the, like, reproductive <laughs> rights realm. <laughs> or the world! Um, then maybe we'll just hop on a Zoom call and flesh it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, should we get started? Yeah, we have a lot to get into. Alright, so today's repro issue of the week is the very unfortunate SB8 decision. Why do you look like you don't know what I'm about to because talk about? I genuinely do not It's on know. the script, and it's the thing that has <laughs> happened that is the biggest thing. Okay, that came out on Friday. Since then, we've had FDA regulations come down. We've had... So a lot has happened, folks. A lot has happened. And we're not going to talk about it all, because... We already did, our first episode was already an hour and a half, and we cannot do that again. Yeah. And also, yeah, we can't do that. So what we're going to talk about mostly, and we will honestly get into the REM stuff later, probably. Yeah, and like at some point, I'd love to talk about self-managed abortion, because that's something I'm really passionate about. You also want to talk about... Reason bands. Reason bands. So there's just a lot that's happening. A lot is happening. There's a lot that's happening. So for those of you who don't know, I don't, yeah. I mean, I guess the audience for this is people broader than the repro community. So hopefully, well, not hopefully, but maybe you don't know this and now we're telling you and our our (laughs) perspective is the one that you're getting. So on December 10th, SCOTUS released their SBA decision. Wasn't really a decision. It was kind of just like, a big oh, fuck you. It was a big flop by Gorsuch, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to back up, I think we talked about SB8 last time too, but let's just like back up and like reorient folks. Back, back, back it up. Back, back, back it up. Now stop. We're going to get copyrighted. Now air, stop. We're going to be okay. sued. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so SB8 is this truly horrible six-week abortion ban coming out of Texas Texas always has she's always a leader in just like shitty abortion laws Mm -hmm. unfortunately and Texas advocates who I have the pleasure of working with sometimes are like incredible like truly like incredible iconic gorgeous um just like great people and so they passed this thing and it's like bad enough that it's a six-week ban any ban at any point is no bueno but 
It's also the enforcement mechanism, which we talked about, is basically like any idiot off the street can bring a suit in, in county court and just be like, hey, I think that girly helped that other girly get an abortion. And I would like to collect at least $10,000 about it. Yeah. Even though this affects me not at all. And I should just mind my own business. Right. Worry about my own self. Yeah. And legislators, like, specifically came up with this scheme because they were like, looky here, folks. The state's hands are, you know, don't look at us. We didn't do anything. It's individual private citizens that we're enabling (laughs) to do this. So let me just hop in here real quick with a little Constitutional Law 101. I'm going to try to keep this as simple as possible. Essentially, the way our Constitution is set up is it says that state actors cannot pass laws that impact or bar someone's constitutional rights, like abortion. So if a state actor does pass a law and by state actors we mean like legislators or what have you any kind of official any kind of state official if they pass a law that impacts your constitutional rights you can bring their asses to court and so essentially the way that texas was able to avoid getting brought into court And having SB8 shut down is by working around the judicial system and making it so that the law is enforced by by public citizens, by, no, by private citizens who are able to essentially, you know, sue whoever so that all of all abortion providers, the entire community surrounding people who might need an abortion or who might actually be seeking an abortion, all of those people do not act and do not support the person seeking an abortion for fear of liability from private citizens. So essentially what Texas did is the the legislators deputized private citizens to enforce a law that will infringe upon individuals' constitutional rights. And they did that to work around the Constitution, which is, first of all, yucky. Second of all, illegal right like (laughs) like what are you just like blatantly unconstitutional so basically what the court decided to do and just also for context the court is now like majority anti-abortion trump appointed like horrible messes of people that have said time and time again like they would like absolutely love to get rid of abortion as a constitutional love like Uh, constitutional love constitutional right Mm -hmm. (laughs) what the court basically said was we see sba we're not going to really talk about the merits of the claim which is that you shouldn't be able to do this but we are going to just kind of like kick it back to the lower courts and let them figure it out but also you can't bring it against certain officials so like in the claim the the providers brought up they were suing like general paxton attorney general paxton um, judges who would enforce it clerks Mm -hmm. um like at the courthouse and then people from like the like the some kind of medical board yes do you remember um no i don't know like the exact details but essentially they were suing like every 
state actor who would be in, enforcing SB8, like, regardless of what the law says, because in reality, there would be state actors enforcing it. Yeah, exactly. And so, again, like, what Texas is trying to say is, like, well, you know, we're not actually doing it. It's, like, all these other people. And it's, like, no, because you are you passed the law. Like, y- the courts would enforce that law. And the reason that people are scared of the law is because it would work. Like, it is working. Like, it's having a chilling effect. Okay, so let's first... We're just going to put our boy Gorsuch on the back burner. He yeah. wrote the majority opinion, but we all know what it was. It was blah, blah, blah. Well, you don't want you to have abortion rights. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. And that's what the opinion basically said. Um, but we're going to start out with our girl, Sotomayor, who yes. really came for these hoes. She did not pull any punches. She said exactly what needed to be said. And what she did was she made clear that the hypocrisy of the court essentially saying like, well, this is such a unique law that we're not sure what to do, you know, because it is, you you know, if private citizens are the ones who are upholding it, then, you know, it's just a slippery slope if we allow uh, people to sue, uh, to sue judges and to sue General Paxson and all these individuals and, and law clerks who like put like the cases on the docket, you know, all of these people, it would be such a slippery slope if we allowed them to be li- potentially liable for suit. So we, this is, we're, it's really just a conundrum here, folks. I guess we're just going to have to like uphold the law and present really narrow grounds for people to be able to sue, which is wild because they're acting like they're like, oh, what do we do? We don't know. You are the Supreme Court. Right. You are the Supreme Court. It is your job to not like they're they're just completely skipping a step here and just not acknowledging the fact that the law on its face is unconstitutional. Like yeah. they should be starting there and saying, "Let's not you worry can't about- do this. You can't just use a scheme to like that's you can't just get away with like a technicality. That's not how it works." Like, well, the court has a history. This court composition yes. has a history of acting as though they cannot like address a or outright refusing to address the merits of an unconstitutional law that impacts abortion access pre-viability and they you know say oh we're not going to look at this law on the merits but we're going to decide on it on a procedural basis Mm -hmm. right like they did that in box v planned parenthood they said because of the litigation strategy of p-pink which was the um, providers who were suing for a, like... So essentially, just a little brief overview, uh, Indiana passed this law that required clinics to, like, have a really intense and really expensive process for getting rid of fetal remains after abortions. And it was just, like, not necessary, and it wasn't, like, in line with, like, medical practices, like, nationally. So... The reason they did that is so that it would be really expensive for those clinics and really, like, logistically difficult for those clinics so to, it shut down. to get rid of the um, fetal remains, and they end up shutting down, and then people get less abortions in Indiana. So the court, when they looked at that, they said, I don't know who was arguing P-Pink, but essentially in one of their briefs, they said they are, they, I personally think they made the mistake of saying that they were going to be arguing arguing from a rational basis as opposed mm. to a strict scrutiny standard. And the court said, 
blah, 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 blah. Well, we're not going to look at the merits of the fetal tissue dis- like disposition case. We're going to, our law, we're going to look at how the, the litigation strategy of PPINC, and they said they're going to do this on a rational basis standard. So looking at this case from a rational basis standard, like we can uphold the law. So essentially all that is to say that like the court continuously says that they're not going to look at the merits of an abortion ban, but then they uphold it on a procedural like technicality, which is exactly what they did here in SBA. They said, we're not looking at the merits of the law. We're going to uphold it on a procedural technicality. And that's just like, you know what, if you're going to take away our abortions, right, our abortion rights, just say it say it say it with your fucking chest like i want you to own it say it and just do it don't don't act as though it's like you know it's it's insulting of course to do it but to do it and then act like you're not doing it it's like don't piss on our leg and tell us it's raining and that's why it's been really confusing to cover it because a lot of like journalists and people on twitter i saw were like it's a win Oh, no. Like, I feel like when it first came out, like, around, what was it, like, 10 a.m., everyone was saying, like, oh, it's a win. And then by 4 p.m., Twitter was all like, never mind. Like, we actually read this, and it's actually not a win um, because SBA is still in effect as we speak, as we're recording, and people are not able to get abortions, or a lot of people aren't able to get abortions in Texas. Um, And I think Sotomayor actually really summarize this like really well like what the actual problem is with the opinion um so this is our girl um my disagreement with the court runs far deeper than a quibble over how many defendants these petitioners may sue the dispute is over whether states may nullify federal constitutional rights by employing schemes like the one at hand the court indicates that they can so long as they write their laws to more thoroughly disclaim all enforcement by state officials, including licensing officials. And so what she's saying is like the point, like you literally are, are telling Texas like, nice try, like we love to see it, maybe like try to make it so you even say that like, you even say more strongly that actual officials are not going to be enforcing this and then next time we'll like, okay, it like for real, for real. And I think also, like, in in that quote, Sotomayor goes beyond just... Because there's two issues here, right? It's, like, the fact that this is, like, a blatantly unconstitutional abortion ban that the court is upholding. But also, this is a huge fracture to our federal system, right? Like, the baseline of the United States Constitution says that federal law is supreme over state law. And that's the way that like we ensure there's consistency in rights and equity across the United States. You know, like there's a lot of reasons why we have the supremacy clause, but like a big one is so that everybody has equal rights no matter where they are in the United States and they're protected under our constitution and under our federal law. And so by the court upholding like a state law that blatantly violates a federal law, like that is throwing everything into whack. And it's so she's saying they're like, my disagreement with this court runs deeper than, you know, our disagreement about the outcome of this case. Like we fundamentally have different views of how our judicial system should work. I am under the the, the correct belief that the federal law is supreme and they still believe in states' rights for some reason because they think that, like, this is, like, civil war era. I, I don't know what they think. But. Right. <laughs> so we love Sotomayor because she's just always ready to, you know, call it out when it comes to 
abortion cases. But um, she did something that was pretty monumental, and she made reference to self-managed abortion Mm -hmm. um, in a way that was not stigmatized, which is probably the first time that's ever happened, like, in this, yeah, in, on the Supreme Court, if Anna's gonna read the quote. Yeah, so I'll do kind of a, a quote. The chilling effect has been near total, depriving pregnant women in Texas of virtually all opportunity to seek abortion care within their home state after their sixth week, week of pregnancy. Some women have vindicated their rights by traveling out of state. For many women who are unable to do so, their only alternatives are to carry unwanted pregnancies to term or attempt self-induced abortions outside of the medical system. Sotomayor said, let me tell you a little something about Say it to the people in the back, Sotomayor. (laughs) She said, abortions, you're going to ban them, we're going to self-manage them then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Sotomayor talked about self-managed abortion. That's really great. And another thing that happened actually today as we're recording this is that the FDA dropped some guidance taking away, I think, some of the restrictions on medical abortion. Not all of them, but some. And, like, this is truly huge. Like, this is truly massive. The FDA has approved, like, use of mifepristone and misoprostol, which is the two pills that are used for medication abortion, like 20 years ago um but there has been this like erroneous thing called REMS on them which essentially just like adds heightened levels of restrictions on the way that these pills can be distributed it doesn't make any sense because like misoprostol and mifepristone have a better safety record than Tylenol than a lot of like household drugs that people see and have access to so you know this is a really big deal and we're glad that the FDA was able to do this but of course it's like not without some restrictions it's not you know freewheeling everybody you get a pill and you get yeah. a pill and you get a pill there's like definitely there's still like limits on who can prescribe it right or yeah like... like prescribers have to be like get some type of like approval from the FDA like there's still restrictions but essentially what they did is they made it okay for people to get those pills through the mail yeah which is huge that's awesome and like we also want to say that this isn't a fix by the way <laughs> to like abortion coverage writ large because I think a lot of people I've been seeing like are kind of saying like this seems like a sort of an answer to the whole SBA debacle and it's like it's like part of an answer for sure but it's not the whole thing yeah so um back to Sotomayor like very good quotes she said the court's delay in allowing this case to proceed has had catastrophic consequences for women seeking to exercise their constitutional right to an abortion in Texas the court clears the way for states to reprise and perfect Texas's scheme in the future to target the exercise of any right recognized by this court with which they disagree. This is no hypothetical. New permutations of SBA are coming. In the months since this court failed to enjoin the law, legislators in several states have discussed or introduced legislation that replicates its scheme to target locally disfavored rights. So she's saying, like, this is not, you know, the last time we're going to see an SBA. And that's, we know that's already true. I think right now, because we've been tracking this, it's Ohio, 
Arkansas try to do it, but basically in a wonky way, like it's like no longer happening. And then Florida has one and Missouri just filed both like today. They had, I think, a House one and then just filed a Senate version of it. So she's basically like saying like this isn't a hypothetical threat. This is like a very real threat. But unfortunately- And didn't like Newsom, he also tried to like kind of do a tongue in cheek thing about doing an SBA ban on like gun ownership or something. I don't know. I mean, it's true. Like, every civil right is going to be, like, up for grabs. But we know in reality, I mean, like, not the rights that white people want, right? Right. Like... It's going to be, like, I don't know, voting rights. Yeah. For, like, (laughs) black people and people of color and... Yeah. Who knows? And it's, like, we already have this sort of, like, like, vigilantism. Is that how you say that? Vigilant? Vigilant. Sure, Yeah. The sort of like it's like playing into that whole vigilante thing where it's like you're empowering these like complete psychopaths to bring suits to scare people like I think it's just gonna like increase I mean we already know that clinic violence like in abortion clinics has increased like so much <laughs> like yeah. especially during like the pandemic so like I just think it's like playing into that, that whole rhetoric of like of Trump supporters and like white nationalist people that like love to be like quasi police <laughs> like yeah. and like i i just think they're just like gonna have a field time like standing outside the abortion clinics and being like is that an escort who drove you here blah 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 like i think that's already happening and it's it's gonna get worse like i mean people are already like threatened like at the polls you know like and i think this kind of thing is gonna make it even worse yeah And I think it's also, like, not to, like, simplify it, but something I always think about, it's, like, get a hobby. Right. Get a (laughs) hobby. Why don't you learn how to knit? Do some macrame. Yeah. Go do some pottery. It's, like, I understand, like, you're really (laughs) bored. Like, we've been inside for so long. Like, maybe not not this exact audience hasn't been inside for that long, but it's, like, I I get it. You know, I, (laughs) I get it. But we need to just have more productive hobbies pastimes interests um and we just i forget what someone was talking about this how like when white people feel like there's like a threat to them being like in power forever they react with like aggression aggression and it's like i think that's like the same thing that's happening in abortion and voting and like everything is just like i'm angry and it's just because I see a future where I'm not on top. Like, yeah, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, like, in a lot of, like, like trigger warning, but, like, you know, like, how people, when they talk about sexual assault, like, a line you hear a lot is, like, it's not about sex. It's yeah. about power. power. It's about control. It's yeah. about dominance. And, yeah, like, the abortion debate has never been about morality. No. Like, people, like, want to think or or say that it's about like a christian morale and like let's even get let's back up to the history of like how the right became the right like it's like literally like ronald reagan was like oh i see that if i talk to people that are like catholic or christian or whatever and i say that i'm like anti-abortion that they like they would they will vote for me in my party like the republican party aligned itself with like 
evangelicals and like Christian denominations because it was like politically beneficial, not because they give a shit about your morals or like, and like abortion wasn't even like that big of a deal to a lot of these Christian denominations until politicians figured out this is a great way to get people to the polls. Yeah. Like literally. Yeah. It's all about just like uniting the right, for lack of a better word, to create some type of like political power and we're still, it just happened to be that, like, <laughs> they were able to combine enough forces of, like, hyper-capitalists and, like, people who want to control others' bodies and mm-hmm. others' choices and, you know, all of these different forces they were able to co- combine together to, like, have the outcome we have today. Yeah. So it's been a really depressing week in Repro. <laughs> If you can't tell, we sound like freaking we're wiped out. We really are. We're, like, a little bit done talking about this because it's, like, all that we've been thinking about and, like, talking about for the entire week. So that's a little bit why. So something we talked about last week was, like, we were talking about um, how Justice Roberts was trying to, like, during the oral arguments for Jehu, which is a whole other thing, during the oral arguments, he was, like, almost trying to, like, find a space or carve out a space where, like, a 15-week ban could be upheld Mm -hmm. while also not directly overturning Roe v. Wade. And it's, like, let's talk about... Yeah. Let's talk about what it means to overturn a precedent. Right. To overturn a precedent, it's like, it's not like you have to be like, and now in this moment, I am overturning Roe v. Wade. It's like, no, I think uh, my understanding and like, you know, the law is designed for people, for, you know, reasonable minds to disagree. But my understanding of overturning precedent is just doing the contrary to what the precedent says. Mm -hmm. And like we talked about last week, Roe v. Wade and like Casey, which came 20 years after Roe, says that like, if there is a ban that is upheld, like no bans can, no total bans can like can be up are constitutional if they're over the viability line. Yeah, this is over the viability. Like I don't know how else to like say this to you. Yeah. like there you don't have like I don't understand what what he's trying to carve out by saying like somewhere between fifteen weeks and this other time we can maybe think about because. Because what, Roberts? Like the viability line has not shifted. If anything, I I would I would personally like say that a fetus isn't viable unless the person wants it to be viable, which I talked about last time about my scientific understanding of viability. Um, so I just don't know where he gets off. Yeah. And it's not like I don't think that you can have you can uphold a fifteen week ban. And also say that Roe v. Wade has not been overturned. I just don't think it's possible mm. because Roe v. Wade says pre- before vi- viability. So it's like in what they've done here by upholding a six-week ban and providing like really narrow grounds for like individuals to get justice, I'm not sure what to say, you know? Yeah. I'm not sure. We already have other states who are like coming, who are passing their own SB8s. It's like, I'm not sure, you know, from my perspective, it's like, what is Roe anymore? Yeah. (laughs) No, we're like at a place where we're honestly just like waiting around for them to like formally, if not kind of, you know, edge around the fact that they're overturning it next summer with Jehu. This summer? Yeah. Like literally in like five months. Yeah. Good luck, girlies. Um, 
So where are we now? The case actually got kicked back to the lower court. Usually, apparently, what Scotus likes to do is, like, hold on to the case with its grimy little hands for, like, 25 days. But I think both parties asked for it to go back so they can actually litigate it. Because, again, every single day that SBA is in effect, people cannot get abortions in Texas. In a huge state like Texas. The Um, second most populated state in the country. Right. Um, right? I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yep, yeah, that's right, Bridget. Yeah, Second yeah. most popular. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it, it's not hopeful. Like, it's not good. We think that the district court is probably going to um, block it. But then once it goes up to the circuit court again, the Fifth Circuit, that's not going to be too good. The Fifth good. Circuit, she's that. She's messy. She is Did I tell you I mess. interviewed to clerk at the Fifth Circuit? That's messy. That no, you... but it was like, it was it was one of the judges that always dissents. He's like the best. Okay, that's cool. I didn't get it. Oh. That's why I'm here. <laughs> Honestly, I did a judicial internship my summer going into 2L, and it was just rough. It was like... I hear it's rough. You're there, like, so early. You have to wear a blazer, and I'm sorry, but do you want me to do dry cleaning every five seconds? I feel like my my armpits itch with blazers. And Well, probably because you have to wash your blazer, and (laughs) (laughs) that's what I figured out, so I had a little... A trick that I got a like oversized mm. blazer and went for like that, you know, Talking Heads David Byrne look, and like my armpits were then a little bit further from the actual pit region, <laughs> and so I could make the blazer last. A Style little. tips for Style budget. tips to not smell like shit when Style you're working for tips. free. Um, but yeah, so I you but, couldn't take the blazer off once you got into the office. No. See, I can't deal with that kind of formality. Says I, someone who was about to work in the fucking no, court. No, I agree. They had different elevators. For one's the, for judges for the and one for the pleas. Ah, I kind of love that. If I was a judge, I would pull that shit so hard. There was, of course, you would. <laughs> but there was judges that did. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm not taking the fucking other one. And the ones that were for the plebs, like, they were, like, service elevators that looked, like, <laughs> so crusty. I was, like, I, I, my legal writing skills got really good that summer. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was just not the vibe. It was scary. It was, no. Yeah. I just, I could never, I could never work in a situation like that again. So you're, you're not, you don't think you're going to apply to clerkships? No. You, there's not, like, I don't know. I'm very much, like, I need to be in a space where, like, my humanity is seen first and foremost. And, like, that's not the vibe there. Like, if I took, like, a bathroom break, it would, like, they would say, like, I need five orders done in, like, this entire day. Or eight orders done in this entire day. And, like, I need one to come in each hour. And so, like, if I took, like, a bathroom break between one of them, I would end up, like set back for one of them and so i would have to like time it out if just was, wear like, a diaper yeah so i should just like piss shit myself <laughs> it was insane it was insane that sounds awful yeah. i mean i feel like some judges are chill though i had the best judge 
and still it wasn't even really the judge it, it was, was just the court like the well it was i had like the law clerks were like kind of chill but the um <laughs> <laughs> why are you lying but the judge the judge was chill it was more just the fact that there was way too much on the docket yeah and not enough people to work to get it done yeah and so it was like these like unpaid like judicial interns come in like and like have to like rip through these like piddly orders like fucking monsters and just get that shit done so fast and like it was a kind of like the the irony of like working on an employment like discrimination there's nothing more demoralizing than working on an employment discrimination like order for a judge when you're pissing yourself when you don't have time to pee your armpits (laughs) smell like shit because you literally are not being paid <laughs> to do work for like the entire summer like a dog and you're not <laughs> being paid enough to even do dry cleaning you're actually paying to to do it to work for them like to get the credits right so <laughs> it's so i was like what am i doing i was like what am i doing right now i'm literally working for free on an employment discrimination case and writing this all like this man should not have been discriminated against. You know, I'm like literally working for free. It was so, it was so sad. So embarrassing. It was so embarrassing. Um, anyways, that's the state of abortion today. pop culture slash white flop of the week i have a couple flops in mind so the first flop i want to briefly talk about is after the sba decision came down white twitter specifically new york white twitter was like you know what we need underground railroad (laughs) for abortions (laughs) like there was a tweet going around i forget who it was and honestly like i don't wish this this person harm but it it was like literally like I've been talking to a lot of New York people and we're all wondering like how can we help like can we have some kind of like secret society so that people can travel and get funding (laughs) for their abortion (laughs) and it's like do you mean abortion funds girl oh my lord did you see that on twitter I all I saw was like RJ people and groups tweeting like white people shut up <laughs> stop trying to it's like it's not secret it's abortionfunds.org or I know, whatever like, i know it's like literally just listen speaking as the resident white white um sometimes we just say shit without thinking it through because we think you know that we have 
is called white supremacy, mm-hmm. if you haven't heard of it. Mm. We think that we are the leaders and controllers of everything. And we, just thought we, creators. Yes, like every idea is so original. We have to share <laughs> it. It's like we don't even think to think like, hey, maybe I should check it before I like, fucking open Google. my goddamn mouth, you right. know? So yeah, that was the, the one flop. And it's kind of a minor, mm, feels like a minor flop in the scheme of things, I will say. I don't know how minor it is because it's it's just like another acknowledgement of the fact that like white people constantly are trying to dominate and control everything and like in the micro looking at that like specifically in the repro movement it's like that's just totally not even knowing anything about the reproductive justice movement and like the reason why, not like the reason, but a huge reason why the reproductive justice movement was created was mm-hmm. because of this exact thing. Shit it's like, like white people just like literally speaking out of their own buttholes and creating things that don't reach the communities actually yes. impacted and like just totally not even thinking. And trying to like reinvent the wheel when it's like people are already doing this like really effectively and you're kind of just fucking it up for everybody. Yeah. Like, that's the thing that's, like, really annoying. And, like, that's also the thing that I've found, like, really obnoxious, like, in my undisclosed work is that a lot of people now are, like, oh, shit, abortion's in the line. And it's, like, okay, yes, it's pretty bad, but it's, like, been this bad for, like, quite a while. Like, like quite a while. And, like, a lot of orgs are, like, we just want to get into, like, sexy SB8 litigation. And it's, like, yeah. the litigation it's it's she's there are plenty of people doing that yeah we don't need your help with that like you can't if you if you're just beginning to care about abortion what you should not be doing is like i want to do something sexy like be a litigator and it's like listen nancy like you don't know what you're talking about speaking as a white flop who went to law school literally to be a litigator, litigator, litigator for a bar trap. <laughs> Speaking as a white flop who went to law school to be a litigator and then discovered the reproductive, well, I had like some knowledge of the reproductive yeah. justice movement prior, but I didn't see how it could be reconciled with the law. Yeah. And then I saw through If One How, how it you know, there's just, like, this whole other area of approaching access that, like, doesn't necessarily have to be so, like, intertwined with the black letter law. Like, I, it's, it's truly just a matter of privilege and truly just a matter of people thinking that, like, they have the most original idea or, like, this system that they believe works for them because it does work solely for them should work for everyone else. And I had, like, an, I, I said something recently to somebody that really made me think about, um, like, the abortion issue overall. Someone had said to me that, like, they um, really struggle when they go home to their, like, hometown because it was, they, and, like, talk to their family members um, because, like, on every other political issue, they're able to, like, follow along with them and, like, not be toxic bitches. But particularly on the abortion issue, they just, like, are so against it. Mm. And I was like, well, it's because, like, your family is, like, a white family that's from, like, probably, like, a residential area and they have resources. And for some reason, like, the abortion issue hits so close to home that 
it's truly a matter of perspective. Yeah. It is truly a matter of perspective. Everyone thinks just because they're capable of doing this thing that everyone else has the same experience as them. Yeah. And it's just not that situation. It yeah. is not. And it's like as soon as you broaden someone's perspective to like what other people deal with when it comes yeah. to like reproductive issues, their thoughts change. Yeah. And it's and the the issue is with the entire reproductive rights movement is that it is so focused on white people's perspective. Yeah. And that's why we have stupid ass white flop tweets like that. Like, yeah. let's come up with like an underground railroad where like <laughs> we like fund people to like go out of state and like stay overnight. I want to like... be the Harriet Tubman of abortion. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, honey, <laughs> you missed that bow. <laughs> And you are not original. Well, that's like that thing, too, with the abortion boats I think you were talking about before. I like abortion boats. Well... As a concept. I do, too. I mean, as long as it's not surgical. <laughs> I don't like the idea of getting a surgical abortion on a boat. I do. Well, what, 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 are we talking, what size boat are we talking like, about? Like, I was thinking of, like, a carnival cruise. Oh, well, that's different. I mean... I I'm, wasn't thinking of, like, a like paddle a, boat. I was thinking, like, a speedboat. Like, <laughs> um, but Women on Waves is this group that's been doing that forever. It was created in 1999 by I don't know. an iconic-ass queen. Truly the opposite of a white flop. Her name is Rebecca Gompertz, and she founded Women on Waves... Um, and women on waves would, like, go around to, like, different countries that were having, like, massive abortion restrictions, like the United States is right now, and they would go out into, like, waters surrounding, um, the, the country, because, like, international, international, water law, maritime, maritime, maritime law. law. If we ever have time, I want to, like, really delve into maritime law, because it... Like, the people who die on... Let's not get into like it. Like, Arrested Development? Yeah. <laughs> like, Henry Winkler, my uncle. Yeah, I'm related to him. Who's Henry Winkler? He's my uncle. Yeah, but, like, He's in the, the scheme Fonz, of the world. The Fonz from Happy Days. Have you watched Arrested Development? Mm-hmm. He's Bob Loblaw. Bob Loblaw is your uncle? Yes. Bob Loblaw? Yes. Oh, my God. He's my uncle. We have a select... Can we interview him? Okay, so he's not really my <laughs> uncle. What do you mean? Okay. All right, so my whole life, I'm one of four siblings. Um, I'm the youngest, <laughs> and we're born four kids in five years. Crazy Irish Catholic, like, culture. Um, but we, our whole lives, when we were in, like, high school and, mil- and middle school and elementary school, we would tell everybody... Like, it was, like, our big sibling secret. We would tell everyone that, like, our distant uncle was Henry Winkler. Because anytime we said, like, my name is Bridget Winkler, like, people would be, like, like, the Fonz, Henry Winkler. And then we'd be, like, ha-ha, no, not, like, the Fonz. So we decided to, like, make up a lie to make ourselves feel cool. So you just said that lie to me again? So we told everyone that our uncle was, was Henry blah, blah, Winkler. Blah. But he's, that's not our uncle. Um, but... My sister lives in California. She lives in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And one day she was in um, a, like, bagel store. And blah, blah, blah. Henry Winkler walks in. And she freaks out. And she's like, 
You have no idea. Like, me and my siblings have been lying and telling everyone our whole lives that you are our uncle. And it's this huge lie. And everyone believes it. But they low-key know we're lying. And he was like, honey, tell your siblings I am your uncle. And anyone you want to tell, you tell them I'm your fucking uncle. And I don't care what anyone says. Henry Winkler is your uncle. So I, he is. Is Henry Winkler all of our uncles? No, no, he's only my uncle. Oh my god. Why are you trying to steal my thing? <laughs> Henry That's Winkler crazy. is truly my uncle. Okay. Yeah, no, he really is. Anyway, back to Rebecca Gompert. Yes. She is the founder of Women on Ra- on Waves. And they would just like people would just like go out with a paddle boat onto a boat, like off of and get medication abortion? Or? And yeah, they only provide abortion up to nine weeks. I'm not sure why, because the cap for medication abortion is actually ten weeks. Mm. But it's probably, like, just to avoid liability. Yeah. I don't know. Probably something. Something. I don't want to speculate, but... They probably chose that yeah. for a reason. So now... I don't know how much she's still involved with Women on Waves, but she moved over to Aid Access mm. in 2018. And she started running Aid Access, and they are a, like, Amsterdam-based organization that mails people medication abortion. That's awesome. Pills, like misoprostol and nifepristone. Is that the is that the website that you can get it? Yeah, Aid oh, Access. It's like, I it's don't like know. It's a big deal. Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, now it's like... In other countries, like, these pills are way more accessible. Again, like we mentioned, like, the FDA lifted mailing restrictions, but, like, there's still other restrictions yeah. in place. But, like... Like, there's... I think there's a lot of stuff with providers, especially, like, intrastate, like, from state to state. Like, I feel like that's going to be a big fucking problem. Yeah. And more, peop- more like, states are passing, like, or introducing um, laws that would basically, like, ban that practice. <laughs> I mean, I read something that like blew my mind is I read this, um, I read this op-ed from this guy in the New York Times from like 2018 or something. And he said like, it's called like abortion pills should be everywhere. Mm -hmm. And essentially he ordered pills off of aid access Mm -hmm. and they showed up in a nondescript box on his front porch and he just had them. Yeah. And like sure maybe it's i mean there are 23 states with laws against like taking medication abortion pills that aren't prescribed by like someone in person or there's like a range of restrictions that are just totally arbitrary and placed on them because again they have a a better safety record than tylenol and like what is the risk like do you think people are just gonna like recreationally like like, it there's no high like i'm sorry to like yeah well no it's so that people can't get abortions right no i know but it's just kind of like i think the underlying argument it's like oh it's like unsafe like people are just gonna pop them like crazy and it's like no like people are just gonna like get them and use them how they're intended and it's (laughs) like it's no biggie and it's just not that deep you know like i feel like it should just be like at cvs it should be. Yeah. yeah. It should be over the counter. Yeah. It should be like, oh, I have a yeast infection. Let me go get some Grab over this. the counter shit to squirt up my bejeej. <laughs> now we can, let me pop a pill pop a and pill. it's a wrap. Yeah. And like the way it was discovered is it's apparently was a, my understanding of it, or maybe I'm making this up again, not experts. No. But it's like was created to break up hernias in people's mm. body because it just like unclumps clusters of cells. 
Oh my god. So it said genius. Yeah, it said like we'll cause a miscarriage. And so people were like, We'll cause a miscarriage. We'll cause an abortion. So something you should know if you're listening and you know, we're not experts, this is not legal advice, but if you were to start having complications, which are like very low super rare from taking these pills, um, it has no it's the same exact symptoms as if you were miscarrying mm-hmm. so you could just go to a hospital and be like I'm having a miscarriage because mm-hmm. you don't know what the legal liability is in your state and like also just generally it's your fucking business it's your business and we'll put a um, link down below like if you have questions about that um, yeah there's an organization called if when how and they run something called the uh, Repro Legal Network or Repro Legal Helpline. And they essentially, like, you can call if you're having, if you have legal questions mm-hmm. about self-managed abortion. And they can provide you with, like, an expert opinion and support. So we'll provide that link. Yeah. Great. Do we have any other? Oh, the other flop that I wanted to get into, and maybe you can speak to this too, is Zaddy Biden. Oh, What did he do this week? Well, there's at least one thing he did this week, which is he said, fuck you to anyone who has a student loan Mm -hmm. who has been in forbearance. Thank you for the pandemic. Because now apparently the pandemic is over in February. So that's good news. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It totally makes sense. Yeah. With the Omicron of it all. The Omicron and like just like the economic um, depression. Is that what it's called? that we are currently in like it just like it makes like the unemployment like it's it's like all like really clicking for me so Mm -hmm. i think it like makes sense for us to have to like pay back the little fake money that we took from mostly the federal government to pay for our education which should be free yeah yeah so um biden's just like kind of insane um He is pretty cuckoo bagoo, if you ask me. Because you were telling me the other day, like, wasn't he, like, one of the, like, maybe, like, the only Democrat that, like, when people go bankrupt, um, that shouldn't discount their student loans. Yeah, so I was actually in a meeting with, um, I was in a meeting recently with somebody from Public Citizen Mm. who works on, um, this exact issue, And something that, like, he said to me that, or not to me, there were several people on the call, but I listened (laughs) and (laughs) internalized it. Um, And he said, or this person said, don't want to assume genders, this person said um, that something, like, when you're talking about student loan relief, you shouldn't say the word debt. You mm. should like stu- or no, you shouldn't say the word forgiveness. Mm. Student debt forgiveness. It should be called student debt cancellation. Yeah. Because there's who nothing. Who am I? Who am I? Yeah. Who are you forgiving? forgiving? Why are you being? What, who's what, Lenny like, Biden? Please. <laughs> please forgive me. That. Um. Forgive no. me, Biden, for I have gone to school. <laughs> exactly. That was the point. This person is making like. Uh, there's nothing, like, to be forgiven for having to go to school, to To survive in this economy. To survive in this economy, to have a job. Like, I mean, you can have a job without going to school, but, like, your income expectancy is way lower. Yeah, it's just... So, um, that was something that I thought was really interesting, so I'm gonna stop using, like, forgiveness, I'm gonna start saying the word cancellation, but, yeah, so... Zaddy Biden was, um... 
the main supporter of this 2005 bill that essentially um, just kind of created this student debt crisis that we're in right now. Um, <laughs> we will link a TikTok <laughs> oh, yeah. um, down below, but essentially, like, uh, he supported this, this bill, and it took, it, the outcome was uh, that student debt shot up from $56 billion to, to, in 2005 to $150 billion in just 10 years. Good. And that contributed to the overall student debt burden um, that is second in the U.S. only to home mortgages. So, um, I don't know why he did that. I, I don't know if we're going to get into, like, <laughs> why people make decisions. Um, well, I bet, you know, Biden didn't probably have to pay for college. Yeah, I mean, and also, like, people of color have the highest, like, Black families have the highest rates of student debt as well. So, like, it is, like, a huge class issue. Mm -hmm. And, like, the outcome of eliminating student debt would, like, adjust the, like, race, like, wage gap gap significantly. Like, significantly. And, like, my thing, too, is, like, a lot of these loans, like, some of them are private, which is, like, fucked up. Like, they, they shouldn't even let you do that, honestly. But it's all, like federal loans like most of it is federal loans so you can literally be like all right swipe up a pen literally it's it's like truly ones and zeros and like someone's excel sheet yeah and like the shit that we spend money on the military (laughs) cancel that (laughs) i mean sir ma'am whoever non-binary whoever you are i just need you how much do we spend on the milk like a hundred billion dollars trillions mama <laughs> trillions i have no can we just take one trillion and just put that into like my specific debt i mean bernie had a plan when he was running that we put like a 0.2 percent tax on like every wall street transaction and that would and that it? would eliminate student debt in like <laughs> Six months or some <laughs> shit. Like, I'm so over it. I literally hate everyone. Um, and here's, okay, here's here's the gag. The gag is, I will never, you will never <laughs> catch me paying my student debt. Come for me, IRS. Come for me, Navian. Sue me. They're going to start garnishing your wages. Try. I'll move. You think I won't? I'm going. I'm not ever in my life paying one cent. <laughs> into loans are you kidding me irs you know who to call (laughs) are you absolutely out of your like god-given minds because i will not and like i just i won't do it i mean thankfully like i make an income that is low enough that um other other funding sources are available to me like my schools it's probably going to pay for some of it and um then the rest of it is like just none of my business and I'm, like, very much counting on, like, public loan um, cancellation, um, which is on shaky ground. We can get into that in a different episode. Oh, but, God. Um, but, like, I, the way in which I won't pay it. Do you want to hear something so sad? Sure. I had four weeks without health insurance. It was between when I finished law school and when I started my job. Um, and I happened to sprained my ankle 
in those four <laughs> weeks and went to the hospital because no. I truly thought it was you can't broken. Go to there. Ma'am, mm-hmm. I owe a thousand dollars and I get called <laughs> daily. I had that I had a big medical bill when I um had alcohol poisoning. <laughs> not a thousand dollars it was like five thousand because it was an ambulance and like it was a whole thing oh my god i want to hear this no it's like it's it's not fit for public consumption but um it was a dark time (laughs) anyways you love you you learn you love you You live you cry you learn fall so we spend 721.5 billion on on military? Uh, yeah. Fiscal so it's not 20... a trillion. Okay. Fake news. Might be fiscally a trillion. Um, and then how much do we owe in student debt? Like three dollars. <laughs> <laughs> We're economists. <laughs> I mean, it's just the fact that, like, with the swipe of his pen, he could make. Yeah. Also, I just want to say I don't understand like government budgeting. We. Have... But I just know that it's fake enough that you could do whatever. Yeah. So, um, 42.9 million Americans owe a total of 1.57 trillion doll hairs mm-hmm. in student debt. Okay. Which is sad. <laughs> so, get rid of the military. What else, what else can we, can we get out of the, we're, Biden, we got it. So, you get rid of. No, <laughs> but here's the, so I have a, a, I don't even know if I would call him a friend, but someone I knew from a time past was a um dod contractor Mm -hmm. and they told me how crazy it is that they're paid like three times the amount as a contractor yeah of what like the dod gives to actual like government employees and like 75 percent or something or a higher number of the dod is all contractors and it's wild because, like, the amount of money that we put into, like, all these contractors and to, like, basically My the military every year. At a government agency. Every, but at the DOD? No. Every year, like, that we pour into the DOD. At, at the DOD is, um, it's crazy because we don't even fight wars with boots on ground anymore. Like, we're not, like... You heard it here first. Let's fight wars with boots on. No, we're not, like, coming in, like... Don't we have... I got my rifle and you're in my... <laughs> Doesn't the military at this point just, like... They embassies? drone bomb each other. They drone bomb each other. And that's it. <laughs> do something spicy, the military. They do cyber warfare. Like, there's not this... There's no, like... Boots on ground shit. Yeah. So we're spending all of it in, like, consultants... Yes, and all this gear that we don't need because that's not how wars are fought anymore. Anyways, Biden, if you're listening to this podcast, flop. <laughs> just get rid of the military and these contractors, and there's your student debt. Or maybe you could just like not like pay out all the debt that like all the airports were in. Yeah. During the beginning of the recession, or during the beginning or, of the depression. Or bailing out all, like, Wall Street. Yeah. Every couple years. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> Do you have any other flops for this week? Um, no. No, I don't have any other white flops, but I think that, um, yeah. Those white flops really need to get it together. And now, a word from our sponsors. 
Hi folks, this is Priya from Holler Health Justice. We are an abortion fund that helps with practical support as well as payment for abortions for people in the Appalachian region. We're based out of West Virginia and we have a holiday gift this year that we'd like to offer you guys. Um, for $25, you can get an abortion um, certificate in someone's honor, either someone that you like or we can send them to someone that you hate, like Mitch McConnell or Mike Pence. We'll send them a certificate letting them know that an abortion was paid for in their honor. So just go to hollerhealthjustice.org and click on our shop tab to look at the certificates and look at our merch tab for our Holler If You Love Abortion sweatshirts. Thanks. Okay, so moving on to our next segment. Um, this is going to be a pop culture slash memorial segment. Mm -hmm. um, well, this is kind of like the inspiration for the week. Yeah, this is our inspiration for, for the week. Um, and so I really wanted to talk about Bell Hooks, who unfortunately passed away today as like we're recording this. Um, and she was, like, just, like, a really incredible feminist, um, a, a black woman who just, like, wrote just incredible criticism of capitalism, patriarchy, just, like, all this stuff. Um, she's, like, a personal hero of mine. She did, uh, she was, like, a, she did a residence at, like, my college, and so I got to do a couple of classes and, like, talks, like, with her in, in, in my presence, which was, like, like, truly incredible, like, asking her about, like, articles. I remember I took a, a philosophy class, and she presented at one of them, um, and my friends were really involved in, like, planning a talk that she had at school, um, so it was like a really sad day um, because she, at least for me, she's like definitely someone that made me learn how to love and like accept love too. Um, and all of her books are incredible. And I have a couple of quotes from her that I thought were really relevant. Yeah. And she, she's like so about like radical love and like how obviously like the criticism is so important and it's so like weaved into what she talks about but a huge part of like the work that she did is on like understanding how self-love feminine love like sexuality like all these things like pleasure like are so integral also to like freeing ourselves and others um so here's one quote the one person who will never leave us whom we will never lose is ourself Learning to love our female selves is where our search for love must begin. Never a true word been spoken. Yeah. Um, and then this one I also really, really like. Um, the moment we choose to love, we begin to move against domination, against oppression. The moment we choose to love, we begin to move towards freedom, to act in ways that liberate ourselves and others. And, like, that is, like, so true. Like, when you choose to, to love people and you choose to let love into your, into your life, like, that is, like, really radical. <laughs> like, in a world that makes that, like, so fucking difficult. And, like, I mean, I don't want to get, like, too personal, but, like, I feel like in, like, my current relationship that I'm, that I'm in, I feel like I'm, like, really learning that. Like, I'm really, like, understanding, like, just, like, how powerful it is to let someone else in and like to be vulnerable in that way yeah no I agree I think I'm like 
definitely learning that in my like interpersonal relationships too like particularly my like relationship with my partner like you know there's like small things that like both of us hold over each other's heads and it's like like recently we've been just trying to like embrace the concept of just like accepting each other's flaws Mm -hmm. and like loving each other despite those things Mm -hmm. that and because of those things and because of those things yeah Yeah. and it's like bringing in some levity and Mm -hmm. like from the like the the source of the levity is love it's like let's just laugh about this thing that like bugs me that you do and what I do that bugs you you know and I think that that's really profound and like also just when it comes to like things that like family members do or like Mm -hmm. friends do that like maybe will like you could just like hyper focus on and it could just drive you crazy and you could really target it and like just like make it like your obsession in a way and like constantly Mm -hmm. want to talk about it with somebody like that's just like coming from a place that where it's just like you're holding so much like tightness in your mind so much anger so much frustration and it's yeah you're just basically projecting your own shit all over everyone else and it's, like, imagine if we just didn't do that and mm-hmm. we just chose to, like, love instead. Yeah. And I've been trying to really practice that in my own life. Like, when someone's doing something that's, like, annoying or, like, bugging me or whatever. Like, I'm not saying you should let people cross your boundaries. Yeah. That's a different thing. But, like, just choosing to love instead of hyper-focus on it or, like, demonize the person is just, like, such a profound weight lifted off your own shoulders. Yeah. It's a gift to yourself, first and foremost. Yeah. Um, and this other quote kind of relates to that, too. And she talks a lot about, like, domination. Um, Dominator culture has tried to keep us all afraid, to make us choose safety instead of risk, sameness instead of diversity. Moving through that fear, finding out what connects us, Reveling in our differences, this is the process that brings us closer, that gives us a world of shared values of meaningful community. I think, like, also just seeing, like, other people as members of your community and, like, choosing to love them and, like, seeing the community as, like, this living, breathing thing is, like, so important. Like, she talks about, like, it's just, like, really profound and, like, changes mm-hmm. everyone's quality of life. Yeah. And one more quote. This one, I think, kind of, like, speaks to just this whole thing. And this is about, like, forgiveness. For me, forgiveness and compassion are always linked. How do we hold people accountable for wrongdoing and yet at the same time remain in touch with their humanity enough to believe in their capacity to be transformed? And that's, like, that's so difficult. Like, that, because it's so easy and, like, literally, like, our podcast is about shitting on people and, like, just being like, can you believe this crazy Texas, like, politician did this? And it's like, I'm not, I don't think that she's asking us to, like, necessarily find the humanity in in those people, but... Good, because I can't. <laughs> but I think just, I like... I draw the line. But I think it's important, like, I mean, both of us coming from armpit states... We know people who are are like anti-abortion who also are like are good people, like are like genuinely good people. So it's like holding space for the gray area of like understanding sort of like that that thing is so true of like finding humanity in people that disagree on something that feels like or that is like damaging and dangerous, um, like finding humanity and like that 
that finding humanity is like recognizing that they have an ability to change yeah yeah i think that everyone's capable of changing like i have to believe that yeah you know if if we stop believing that i don't even know what's like worth going out of your house (laughs) (laughs) that's it that's all i have thank you bell hooks um rest in power yes thank you for everything um and yeah just like going forward things are really dark right now and really dismal um but you just have to try to um find hope in each day and listen to other people and don't listen to respond but listen with an open heart you know just talking about some of the takeaways from our conversations tonight Mm -hmm. uh think before you speak (laughs) and look out for each other yep Oh, oh, and happy holidays! We're gonna go out with a song. Okay. <laughs> happy holidays to you. No, <laughs> I don't want.